All right, let's do this. How are you, what the fuckers? What the fuck, buddies? What the fucking ears? What the fuck, Billies? What the fuckaholics? What the fuckadelics? What the fuckanistas? How is everybody? I am Mark Marin. This is WTF. This is my show. You're listening to it. Hope everybody's doing okay. I got Tim Ferriss on the show today, the four-hour body guy who's, uh, whose diet I sort of hacked and tried to do without reading the books. And he's got a new book out called The 4-Hour Chef, which is another obsessive, compulsive Bible of, uh, of process and procedure and exciting. There's so much shit in all his books. And I just ripped off the diet because some guy told me what to eat and gave me a website of places to check. So I figured I'd go to the source and ask him some questions, see who that guy is. And uh, he came over and you're going to hear that. In a minute, if I could just take a couple minutes of your time to do some other business, I will be in Albany at the Egg Friday, February 1st. Get some tickets to that. I, it's going to be cold up there. I'm going to need you there just to keep me warm. I need a crowd as a human heater. Also, I'll be in Washington, D.C. at the 6th and I Synagogue, Saturday, February 2nd. That thing's almost sold out. So if you want to get in on that, get in on that now. So that's the uh, the, the current tour schedule there's more dates coming up cincinnati columbus portland san francisco seattle eugene boston february 8th at the wilbur live wtf with uh sue costello rick jenkins dj hazard dj hazard with no dj hazard you don't get louis ck joe wong gary goleman and uh dan crone that's it yep that's a pretty full roster of boston talent Looking forward to going back there. So those are the shows. Go to WTFPod.com and check the schedule to to get ticket links and whatnot. And uh, what else? I've, I've got things to say. I was just in Sundance at the film festival. I skied and I saw a fucking amazing concert. Right now, I don't feel so good. I think uh, somebody gave me a thing that went into my nose or in my mouth or in my ear, maybe from my finger, or from the air in the plane or from a handshake or from a, uh, a piece of bacon that uh, is now just uh, taking effect inside of me. Some sort of bacterial or viral explosion is I'm fighting it down right now with my mind, with oregano pills, with massive doses of uh, vitamin C and with gargoyles salt water in my throat and doing neti pot in my nose i can't i don't want it i don't want it but i guess everybody thinks that when they're getting sick they can fight it however possible and sometimes the only thing to do is sleep can't sleep there is no sleep until i whatever the poem is let's talk about my eating disorder it's no mystery to all of us that i have body dysmorphia and an eating disorder it is my genetic legacy having the mother that i had so when I got the opportunity to have Tim Ferriss on, I don't usually do interviews like this, but uh, like I needed to understand him and I needed to understand this diet because you should see these books. I didn't even have the books. You know, quite honestly, I ripped it offline because uh, Matt, Matt Myra sent me his copy of the book from online and Jonah, Jonah Ray was on the diet and they were like, yeah, it's working. You can't eat this. You can't eat that. You should take this supplement. And I'm like, all right, that's all I need to know. I don't need the history of the guy. But then I started looking into Ferris a little bit, and he's kind of a whack job, sort of an obsessive, you, you know, meticulous, uh, scientific whack job that will do anything to experiment on himself in order to find how to make his body uh, more functional, how to transcend uh, the g- genetic destiny or normal thinking 
around what we can and can't do with our bodies. And I'm like, well, look, really, I just want to lose a few pounds, you know, if that's possible. And then I look at the four hour body and there's a, there's a chapter on sex. And in this new book, the four hour chef, there's really a whole chunk on like survivalism and hunting and eating pigeons and cooking in a can. So I just had to get a sense, you know, I just had to talk to this guy to figure out what the hell makes him tick. And also quite frankly, just to give me some straight up diet advice, uh, which he does. And uh, I hope you enjoy this. And uh, I can get behind. You know, th- these books are, are sort of, they're, they're weighty. There's a lot in them. And it seems like this guy, his life is putting his life on the line so you can feel better about yours. Yeah, that's, that's something, isn't it? Hell yeah, it is. Look, I got to be honest with you, man. I'm pretty lucky when it comes to weather because I live in Southern California, but I know a lot of you have to deal with winter elements every day. I know I'm going to be flying into some on, on my tour dates. All right, let's talk to Tim Ferriss. Tim Ferriss in yeah. the, <laughs> is here, man. The myth, the legend. In my mind, you are a, a myth because here's what happens. Look, I, I grew up with a with an anorexic mother so dieting mm-hmm. was you know my the first book i think I, I had was some sort of calorie counting book like she was literally that her her entire job in life is to maintain a weight of 116 pounds so i have an eating disorder is what i'm trying to tell you i believe you do too i, I have think. many many <laughs> disorders yeah <laughs> but but so somebody you know i i i'm i'm usually on not really a diet but i've i've done weight watchers and shit and i'm not a fat guy and it, but i i in my mind i'm a fat guy so someone tells me about your uh your the four hour body right and it's my buddy jonah and then for a while there there were a lot of people on it mm-hmm. like there people were talking about this four hour body shit and i don't even know what the four hours in relation to but i asked jo- and you'll tell me i asked jonah i said so what is it? He's like, and he tells me what you can eat. And then he gives me a website of things you just look up, whether it's on the fucking thing or not. He says, you can eat whatever, you eat like this for six days. And then on the seventh day, you just fucking shove shit in your face. But I think you underestimated the amount of shit I can eat on that seventh day. But my question is, <laughs> is that, so then, so someone, I, I ripped off your book. Mm-hmm. Right now, now you gave me one. I see it's all hardback and nice. And, and, I, and I didn't have any idea. I thought it was a paperback. I didn't know anything about it. So when I got it, you know, when I got the book and before someone gave it to me, the guy who gave it to me says, yeah, just, you know, check out the, the dieting stuff, but it gets fucking weird, man. You know, he's got a chapter in there on fucking and there's a lot of science and, you know, it's just, it's fucking crazy. He stuck at, you know, he's, he did surgery on himself. And I'm like, who the fuck is this guy? What are you talking about? Where the, where do you come from, man? What is, where, where were you brought up? Uh, I grew up on the East end of Long Island the rat tail and the, the whole nine yards. I was a townie growing up in the Hamptons of all places. All right. So, so you're a Long Island ocean townie. You got it. And uh, my mom threw me into kitty wrestling at age six or seven because I was hyperactive. And yeah. Some of the village mothers said that was a great way to exhaust your kid before they came home. So you're genuine. You were diagnosed hyperactive. Uh, I think that they lacked a lot of the acronyms which i was thankful for uh but absolutely i was labeled hyperactive i mean i had uh, a lot of timeouts ate a lot of soap in kindergarten if you can believe that and what'd your old man do real estate broker so are are you jewish no 
No, it's for your Long Island non-Jew. Long Island is non-Jew, it, is which is a, a further, rare, a rare breed. Yeah. But no, further down, I think on the island, there's there's fewer Jews, and you just deal. Oh with them. no, not, no, not more. Oh my God, yeah, in the, in the Hamptons, I mean, it's the vast majority. I mean, because you look at the the local population uh, isn't doesn't have a lot of Jews. I mean, I had Jewish friends growing up, but the the, the population increases four or five fold with Manhattanites. It's a summer destination. Right, sure. I, we all know about the Hamptons. So you were yeah. like the locals who used to like sort of look down your nose at these fucking rich people that yeah. would show yeah. up. Rip, rip uh, the hood ornaments off of cars and yeah. just be general pains in the ass. You got some hood ornaments. Because we had to work in the rest. Well, we had to. I mean, it's yeah. making it sound dramatic, but we were, most people work in the restaurants or landscaping or whatever. And so you get to see the best and the worst right. of humanity yeah, yeah, at yeah. the restaurants. So you develop an aversion. So it was, yeah, the city people. But we were, but it was it like sort of like all right the you know the 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 Manhattan chicks are coming this summer you know like did you oh yeah I mean that was <laughs> that was fair game that wasn't bad right but like every few months <laughs> there'd be like this influx of fucking you know little rich Jewish girls that you'd be like ah there they are oh yeah I mean it's with I couldn't go to the town beach though the village beach because the locals can't or either can't get or can't afford the the beach permits so we had we went to a different beach so we didn't just, we didn't get to see the hot men that night oh. girls on uh at indian wells which is where i went but right. that that's changed because now it's kind of an all-year thing but i just pictured you and your friends sort of like holding onto the fence like that scene in apocalypse now with just the local vietnamese people around the, <laughs> the scene where the helicopter brings in the playboy bunnies and they're just kind of clinging to the fence watching the, the yeah. excitement there's a lot of idle time yeah. Oh, yeah. So what? What? So you were a wrestler. Yeah. So that's where the, all the self experimentation started because I once I got into what year are we looking at? This would be so uh, like high school. High, self- sc- high school is when I really got into the the science of performance enhancement. Just because. So that's where it started. That's Ath- where that's it was where it athletics. That exactly. That's where it started because I was born premature and my left lung has a lot of issues. I overheat very easily, so I to lose weight for wrestling, and I was cutting from 175 to 152 actually 178 i'm not a sports guy so everything is gonna have to be fully explained absolutely that's fine so i what that meant was twice a week i had to lose up 25 plus pounds of water to weigh in and then rehydrate and compete and to do that without having organ failure you have to figure out certain aspects of the body like sodium potassium etc so that's that's where it started was tracking but, but, all that stuff but okay so you're in high school but other kids like they're drinking they're smoking pot you know they're jerking off every yeah. other day and you're that obsessed that you're like i have to figure out the science of how to maximize my athletic output yeah exactly well okay, i want to make it sound like i was a saint i mean i have nothing against jerking off i didn't smoke much pot yeah number one because it doesn't really do anything to me right brownies are a different story okay uh, edibles are okay with you. edibles are okay sure. and i didn't uh, didn't drink because there just wasn't much around. I mean, I, I might have under other circumstances. But, but you, you have to admit you're an obsessive dude. Yeah. Oh, definitely. Yeah. The no, no doubt about it. And and some part of this has got to sort of uh, reveal, like it it, be, it it started consuming your life in high school. Yeah. Because like when I look at your books, dude, I'm like, this guy is fucking consumed with this shit. He's completely obsessive compulsive, and it seems to be working for him. Well, it was a. Uh, the whole thing was an accidental career, this whole writing stuff. And I was able, by sort of falling into this karmic accident, to turn what I'd viewed as a weakness of mine, this kind of OCD, bouncing around, only having six months of attention for any given thing, into <laughs> uh, 
a writing style, which is hysterical in a way. But yeah, um, and it's all over the place. But you seem to wrangle it in. You create a context. Yeah, yeah. and okay. as long as I provide a map in the beginning for people, so it's more like a choose your own adventure book and not the ravings of a madman, then it's okay. So let's track this. So okay, so you're 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 figuring out the science of what you need to do to accommodate your weak lung and your weight mm-hmm. in high school as a wrestler. Mm-hmm. And so how does that how does that evolve? So what did yeah. you figure out? Uh, well, I figured out that you can use that's when I started learning about diuretics and fluid and whatnot. So I would use stuff like dandelion root, which is a potassium sparing diuretic. All that means is you're less likely to have uh, severe problems and cramping. When I got to college, I took the same interest in science and started looking at smart drugs and stuff like that. Well, what, where'd you find the dandelion root? Was that, did you have like uh, the, the, the Claus's book of, uh, did you have that giant, the something of Eden? Oh, I, all the herbs and yeah, everything. Yeah. I had that. I had a whole shelf. In fact, uh, I went to an Episcopal boarding school after transferring from public school on Long Island. Why'd you have to go to boarding school? What'd you do? I didn't have to. I was actually, uh, it was my choice. Uh-huh. I had, um, <laughs> well, a friend of mine got stabbed in the leg in school, which is ridiculous because it's East Hampton. Uh, but there were kids were really bored, so there's a lot of drugs and stupid shit like that happened. Some guy just got stabbed in the leg. There was a fight, they? and this guy pulled this kid pulled the knife and stabbed my friend in the leg. Okay, and uh, I had had one friend who had gone to boarding school, and he said, "You got to get the fuck out of here." And actually, so you don't get go, stabbed in the leg. Well, or... no, just like you're not gonna even if you're the best at this school in whatever, it doesn't make a difference. Like right, so you need to to move on, and you might end up never leaving the island and dying in a car of some kind. <laughs> Precisely, right? Got uh, actually, there are a lot of overdoses there. A right, a lot. But anyway. The uh, the point being, I had this entire shelf full of like herbology and stuff, which was hard to get without having like witchcraft somewhere in the title. Yeah, and so I had this reverend come into my dorm room at one point and have a heart attack just about. <laughs> really? Yeah. Oh yeah. He was like, "Oh God, you're giving me heartburn already." It's the first time I'd met the guy. So he he uh, was pretty sure he had a, he had a, a satanist to convert. Yeah, exactly. What do you? So most of them were sort of hippie witch books. You mean? Uh, yeah, exactly. But right. you could get dandelion root over the counter at GNC or whatever. And this is something that works. Oh yeah, absolutely. And it's a it's a note. I see. I don't know anything about this. I mean, I know I've taken some vitamins that I, I think are bullshit. You know, my dad's become a real proponent yeah. for uh, coconut oil and yeah. and all kinds of other shit yeah. that he's sure like all this stuff is going to make a big difference. And I tell you, he had me on some sort of fucking vitamin concoction with a bunch of other shit and I took it and I, I started to think like, well, wow, this is really making a difference. And I started not taking them just because I spaced it and then a few months went by and like, you know what, Tim? I don't feel a fucking difference in anything. Yeah, there's a lot of, there's a lot of bullshit out there. And what I would say though is that i treat supplements food vitamins drugs prescription illicit or otherwise all as drugs like if you put it in your body through your mouth through your skin through a needle and it has some biochemical effect it's a drug so i treat the you stuff- do supplements with needles uh i have i don't recommend it i mean yeah. i've done you know in b12 i've done uh all sorts of crazy stuff for injury reversal yeah uh, like taking out whole blood uh and then having it spun in a centrifuge to remove the growth factors or put them into the plasma and then re-injecting it locally for injury reversal. Well, you did this yourself at no, home? No, I had... You went to a place <laughs> that does that? You went to the blood centrifuge place? Went to you know, Wikipedia with a, with some latex gloves. No, I, I, I found some sports doctors. So typically, I'll look at the athletes that have miraculous recoveries, which is exactly what they are because they're chemically enhanced. And then I'll track down their doctors and... 
have them work but on But you me. weren't a professional athlete. No, I wasn't. But the people who work on professional athletes get the most money to figure out how to solve really severe problems. Like I've seen guys... What was your severe problem though? I mean, if you're not an athlete and you're... Well, I was, I was an athlete for a long time though. So I was uh, All-American in wrestling in high school and right. then uh, was... Uh, national Chinese kickboxing champion in 99. So I just, I've accumulated a lot of injuries Yeah, and uh, not that I'm very old, but at 35, you start to feel the cumulative trauma of all the stuff you've done to your body. So I had, I, yeah, I've had 20 plus fractures and I'm just starting to get pain in my upper back and things like that, that I wanted to fix. And I'm impatient and very curious. So I went to these sort of black market doctors to do various things, and that was one of them. So, so the, what's the vision? I mean, what? Yeah, I mean, you obviously have some. There seems to be a manifesto or an ideology forming uh, around what you're doing. I mean, these yeah. books are obviously I got it off the internet. Yeah, and now you bring these two hardback copies of the Four Hour Body and then the Four Hour Chef, and I'm like, well, don't you have a paperback? You're like, they never came out in paperback, and I just sort of got them because I heard about you. Yeah, but when when you started doing this stuff. It was primarily to to not self medicate, but to self treat, to 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 maintain the machine. Yeah, to to not only maintain the machine, but to take a imperfect or a mediocre machine and look at what kind of fuel you can put into it, what type of training you can use to take someone. Let's just say, like, uh, to take someone without the attributes to be really good at something and make them really good at it. So Michael Phelps, like he's a mutant, right? He's built. Right. Some people are gifted. He right. is built to be in water. Right. And, uh, but you take someone else, like there's a guy named Shinji Takeuchi, Japanese guy, clearly, who yeah. learned to swim in his thirties. And he, at the time I wrote the four hour body had the second most viewed swimming video on YouTube. And, uh, he's trained himself to swim completely effortlessly. Like you barely see the water move. And, I try to take people like that and determine like what are the 20% of the, of activities that they're using that produce 80% or more of the results. So for the first book, the four hour work week was for business stuff. And then the second one was for physical performance. And then the third one was for learning, but it's all more or less that 80, 20 analysis. I think that's the, the theme across so, it all. So you just do a bunch of research and you apply it to yourself and then you share that process. Yeah. And I typically, especially with the, uh, with the physical stuff, because readers, like if there's, if something can go wrong and you unleash it into the wild before you vetted it, like people will mess themselves up. They will not follow directions. Sure. Yeah. If people are desperate uh, enough and they hate themselves enough, they'll jump off a fucking building if right. they think it, it'll help. Right. So I, I, what <laughs> I'll do. The, the saddest, weirdest metaphor for suicide I've ever come up with. <laughs> <laughs> that, that, that you're just saying that they might hurt themselves if you if your procedure is is dubious yeah. or, or not well researched and, and I yeah and I use that and I just realize yeah people who kill themselves do think it will help <laughs> yeah and but the, it's it's astonishing to me though and it shouldn't be because yeah. if you take like you know random thousand people or a million people of course you're going to get a handful who are batshit crazy but I had a chapter are in, you not batshit crazy I don't think so okay uh the well of course that's what i'm sure every batshit crazy person says no no you're but, very constructive i mean yeah. you're, you're proactive and it seems you've gotten a lot of shit done but i'm not convinced you're not batshit crazy we'll come back to that All but right. the uh i had a chapter that was removed from the four-hour body uh which was uh how to how to hold your breath like houdini and david blaine the illusionist trained me in 15 minutes to go from 45 seconds max breath hold to three minutes and 33 seconds 
And I taught people how to do it with a ton of caveats and a ton of warnings. Yeah. And of course, first thing that happens <laughs> a week out of the gate, get a blog post. This guy's like, yeah, I was trying this at my local public pool and passed out. And then the lifeguard had to yank me out of the water and resuscitate me. But he dislocated my shoulder. I was wondering if you have any advice for how to fix my shoulder. And I'm just like, fuck. It doesn't matter if you put in all the warnings. Well, you, why, why, you really have to make it. Why did you pull it out of the book? You thought you would be liable somehow? Well, not only... I mean, isn't that the, free will on some level? Yeah, I mean, there is... Well, yeah, Darwinism. There's the there's the free yeah, will. You're, you're actually trying to thin the herd. <laughs> there's, a, there's, the, there's the liability piece, and maybe uh, whether I was liable or not, I just didn't want readers killing themselves on my clock. By accident. By accident. Right. right. So, I mean, or on purpose, but that's a separate... That's a harder it, to pull off. But let's say in your mind... Yeah. When you had that chapter in there, so this was an idea you said, like, you know, how do you hold your breath like Houdini? Mm -hmm. What was the point of that in your mind? The point of it was to demonstrate how many things that we assume to be fixed, genetically or otherwise, are completely malleable. Yeah. Like IQ, total horseshit. You can change that. Uh, like maximal strength, flexibility, longevity, all these things can be really tweaked ex extremely easily. So the breath holding was a very personal example because I was phobic about holding my breath given my lung issues. Yeah. And uh, I, I wanted to draw attention to that as an extreme example. Right. But on a practical level, I just de decided that the risk-benefit ratio wasn't there. Like, best-case scenario, what? Some people learn how to hold their breath longer? Great. Worst-case scenario, a bunch of dumbasses kill themselves in, a public, <laughs> in public pools. So I yanked it. So a lot of this stuff came out of your own personal insecurity about your physical makeup. When you were yeah. younger. Yeah. That like, sure. you know, you were put in a situation to wrestle and you couldn't compete at a certain level because of, you know, you were a certain size or a certain mm -hmm. weight and you had this lung issue. Yeah. So out of spite and persistence, you said, fuck you, yeah. I can do anything. Or I'll try to do anything and I'll see what works. And uh, I mean, my life is a, just a series of wacky ass two-week experiments basically i'll try almost if i don't think it'll kill me and i think the damage is potential damage is reversible i'll try almost anything for two weeks but but that but these aren't things to get you high they're 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 things like most people are like do that with drugs yeah but these are things to test the your endurance or your ability yeah. to withstand something in order to sort of get to another level with it? In most cases, not all cases. I mean, I've, I've experimented a lot with drugs. I mean, big Terrence McKenna fan. I've, I've, uh, when I was uh, so initially other, in school, I mean, other I, worlds, other levels, yeah. you know, oh, you know yeah. it's all, it's, it's, our perception is limited. Yeah. Uh, let's take a ride. And yeah. what, what'd you come out? What'd you come up with? Well, I, uh, Okay, I'll give you one example. I think that uh, LSD therapy and REM sleep have a lot of similarities. So you can REM sleep in the same way it can, it's uh, thought to consolidate memories. So yeah. The more REM you get, generally the faster you'll learn sports, remember foreign vocabulary or whatever. Uh, I think that LSD could potentially be utilized similarly to accelerate learning. So I was playing around with uh, with it for that purpose. Um, Good acid? Good acid. And yeah. I mean, really, you have to standard, and I'm not, again, I'm not a doctor, don't play one on the internet, so I'm not recommending people, or I'm not a lawyer either, so yeah. I recommend people, you know, haphazardly screw around with this stuff. But if you can control your variables and do it in a controlled environment with proper supervision, you know, I think that there are certain uh, compounds, I mean, I think psilocybin is another, that have really tremendous uh, therapeutic applications, potentially. Um, For what? 
Well, uh, I mean, ego disassociation, which can be a dangerous thing, but I, I feel like the... So these are psychological speculations that you're, you're coming up, yeah, that ego, dis, like, yeah, to get rid of the ego uh, in order to find the true self or find some sort of freedom from it. Or to be able to analyze problems that you have more objectively. Uh, so I'm not saying that... Oh, I get it. So, and this is... And this is uh, where I formulate these types of hypotheses is not, I mean, sometimes it's just out of thin air and I yeah. want to try it myself. Right. And I do it's it before. It's a good excuse to try drugs. It's, well, there's <laughs> that, there's that. Yeah. And then it makes it sound like a real intellectual endeavor. Uh, but the second place is I go to PubMed. So PubMed is where you can find uh, the scientific literature that's been published recently or 20 years ago and search by keywords and things like that. So a lot of my wild goose chases start with searches there. I'll just search something like, uh, I'm trying to think of a recent example. Adiponectin is this hormone I got really interested in uh, because it seemed like you could use cold exposure, just taking like a cold bath or putting ice packs on the back of your neck yeah. to accelerate fat loss. And it had to do with this thing called adiponectin. So I was like, okay, I'm going to look for adiponectin fat loss, adiponectin yeah. obesity, and then yeah. just read everything. Yeah. Um, and what'd you come up with? It works. Works really well. And when the four hour body came out, man, I got such a firestorm of shit and so much criticism. Uh, left and right, this and that, the other thing is impossible. It's impossible to lose two, more than two pounds of fat a week. It's impossible to do this and... You can do that on fucking Weight Watchers, dude. Yeah, exactly. That's why, I mean, th there's so many old wives' tales that have been repeated so many times that they're just assumed to kind of be true. I mean, if you if you exercise even two or three times a week and, and eat, what, 2,400 calories a day, 2,000 yeah. or under 2,000, you'll lose. You will lose weight, but here's the issue. When... when uh, it's all coming around to like putting a program together for me. That's what we're doing. Yeah, today. well, let's talk about it. But I also want to talk about this thing that you stuck in your stomach. Oh, yeah, yeah. The, the uh, continuous glucose monitor. Yeah. That was, oh, that was a great experiment. Uh, so there's a device called the Dexcom 7. These yeah. things are super cool, which is used by type 1 diabetics. Okay. Uh, but they're expensive and they're, they, at the time, were kind of experimental. So race car drivers who had diabetes would mount it on the dashboard and you put two probes inside your abdomen under the skin yeah and it sends uh it allows you to watch your blood sugar in real time right and so if it's falling too quickly or rising too quickly you why can, would race car drivers put that if they're type 1 diabetic they have to make sure that they're not about to go into they're not about to pass out for instance and so they might need to actually if they're racing for let's say 10 hours they'll actually give themselves insulin if they're type 1 diabetic how many insulin race car drivers there aren't many but because there is right. one of okay. course they use him as their okay. spokesperson right right, all right. yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like you know if you're eating Cheetos and watching Golden Girls well we've got the solution because look at this badass who uses our product and uh, he's on a moving couch yeah He's, he's on a really fast moving couch. <laughs> yeah. And uh, so I wore this implant for, uh, I'd have to look for the exact duration. It was about two weeks. Okay. And recorded everything I ate, everything I drank, measured it, weighed it to identify when my body digested things, yeah. what caused weird spikes so yeah. that I could fine tune it. And I, I spot check. What's things. your educational background? Did you go to college? I did, but I was on the five-year plan. Um, I, took, I did that plan I took too. A, I know. I took a year off. Uh, yeah. I went to undergrad uh, Princeton, and uh, in the beginning was wanted to major in neuroscience, and I did initially declare major in neuroscience, but I couldn't do the animal testing. Um, I wanted to be in a lab that was run by a guy named Barry Jacobs, who actually did a lot of LSD research yeah. and worked with cats because they sleep all the time, so they're easy to study for REM. Right. But I couldn't do the 
animal testing necessary. I just could, I, I don't object to it necessarily, but I couldn't personally do it. So I shifted to it hurt your heart. Yeah, it did, man. I yeah. I, I remember uh, going in for orientation for the lab at one point, and yeah. there was this. Uh, I think it was a graduate student. This woman from either Ukraine or Russia. And she showed me what perfusing a rat looks like, and that's a fancy term for bleeding a rat to death. Because right. if you inject a retrovirus or something, then have to slice the brain up, you can't have bruising, so you need to get rid of the blood before they die. I don't think it's a particularly painful thing, uh, but I said, oh God, you know, like I, I kind of flinched and looked away and she said, yeah, you know, I used to feel that way, but now I can perfuse 15 rats and go to lunch. <laughs> and I just remember thinking to myself, I'm not sure I want to get to that point. Right. You know, <laughs> like I'm not sure I want to dull myself that much. And uh, I transferred. I I, uh, I moved over to- Because you couldn't perfuse rats. I couldn't perfuse rats. Yeah. Coming back around, the reason I asked you that was that you seem to, like, I, I look at the book and I'm looking at your studies and my eyes just glaze over. Like, you yeah. know, basically the guy who turned me on to you, he said, this is what you eat, and then you can eat all this, at, you know, on, on the one day a week. Yeah. And you can look at all the science. I just couldn't get through it. It's like reading a textbook. I'm like, oh, fuck. And then all of a sudden, I know where there's a chapter on fucking and, you know, other, on fitness. <laughs> Reeled you back in with the fucking? Well, a little bit. I, I mean, <laughs> I, I didn't quite get into it, but I knew that you were some sort of force to be reckoned with in terms of uh, the way you put things together. But my thing with the, with the four-hour body was that every time I did it, and I did it a few times, Mm-hmm. I would lose. I would get to. I would lose about twelve pounds. Mm-hmm. That was it. Then yeah. I'd, I'd level off. Yeah. Like, well, maybe not that much. Well, I think like the weight. I think I, I'm good at. But I wasn't exercising. I wasn't doing anything that you said. Yeah. Other than eating the way you said. <laughs> okay. And I would just. It would seem that like I think the biggest jump I took was from 186 to 179, 178, mm-hmm. which is about where I want to be. Yep. And then I couldn't get beneath it. I couldn't yeah. get beneath yeah. those two. Whereas if I starved myself, I could. You could, but the problem with starving yourself is you your body composition tends to shift to more of like a skinny fat model. If you if you follow what I mean, you you end up losing a lot of muscle mass. Yeah, and then your potential for regaining fat is even higher than it was before. With the uh, we could talk about spot checking. I mean, the uh, there's a guy. So there are the outliers on the on the positive side, right? So there's a guy named uh, Ricardo Arias who just sent me an email. He's he's going to cross the 200 pounds lost point uh probably this week or next how uh, much exercise is he doing uh he i would have to check i know someone who lost 120 without any exercise i've heard yeah i've heard a lot of people that so, really lose some weight on but that. right so the uh with the with the tracking of 3500 people they had an 82 percent uh compliance rate people who, who followed it and lost weight successfully 82 percent the a, co- a few of the common issues are some are, and this isn't obviously an issue that you have, but uh, alcohol-related. Some are sweetener-related, uh, any kind of artificial sweeteners. Too stevia? Little, stevia, I have. Oh, here's my opinion on stevia. I get asked about this a lot. Uh, it's better than a lot of the others, but my, my, th- my theory is that anything the brain perceives as sweet causes an insulin reaction so it's not it's not Even a if chemical it thing it's a it's a it's it's it, well it's a chemical thing but it's got nothing to do with the actual glucose it's correct got to do with the reaction that your tongue sends to your brain yeah saying like oh, he's eating sweet shit now let's yeah. uh let's uh pick it up or slow yeah, it down exactly. or whatever just like if you know you're going to eat your body starts to respond hormonally even before you take the first bite so uh i try to avoid all sweeteners, especially agave nectar. This is this That's is just sugar, man. Well, it's even worse. It's fructose, which is does wreaks havoc on your body. But 
point being, the, you have the artificial sweeteners. Uh, other people, even a like a tiny amount of lactose, can stall out fat loss. Uh, stall fat loss. So, yeah. for instance, if you have a little bit of coffee in, I'm sorry, a little bit of milk in your coffee. And people think skim milk is the way to go, which it isn't. Right. Uh, you replace that with cream, which people th- is pure fat. Mm-hmm. And I've seen people lose an additional two to four pounds of, of fat a week. It's amazing. Just because lactose is really insulinogenic, um, or it's high, it doesn't have a high GI, like the the, the uh, glycemic index, which people talk about a lot, uh, but it's high on the ins- the insulinogenic index. So there, there are these tiny things. Not drinking enough water is a huge one. So if you're drinking diuretics like coffee, and I yeah. love coffee, yeah, uh, but if if you've placed a burden on your liver by not drinking enough water, it's really easy to stall out. Stall uh, out fat loss? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Huh. And uh, there, there are a handful of things like that. Um, but be happy to uh, the the other thing that when people, if people are really want to get serious about it, you have to do blood work. Like you have to look at blood work. If uh, you want to be serious about your diet, you yeah. have to do blood work. Yeah. What weekly? No, 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 no way. You, you can. Uh, I mean, I'm, I'm crazy, so I do blood work all the time. But uh, I would recommend doing blood work every two or three months. I think that. What do we learn from blood work? See, like, the, the, see, this is not the diet for Middle America. If you're like prior, yeah. no, I'm, and I'm yeah, not no, knocking no. it. No, I, no, no. I think it is, but like, yeah, you're, you're, you're. That's extra credit. Yeah, your yeah. obsession is yeah. like. Do you ever get any relief from it? I mean, I know you're very level-headed right now. Yeah. But if I look at these books and I listen to the way you're talking, do you, is there any joy outside of honoring your obsessive pattern? Yes, I need that, or I'll, I'll flame out. Uh, I, I do need built in breaks and, uh, absolutely. Yeah. I'm not this way about everything. I mean, it's like the, uh, people have asked me for like the four hour relationship and I'm like, look, man, you know, there's some things you really want to try to optimize, but there are other things you want to savor and take your time with or can't optimize or, or can't optimize. Some things are out of your control, aren't they? Oh, a lot of things are outside of your control. Most things are outside of your control. I mean, the universe will kick you in the nuts if you think otherwise. Right. Uh, so uh, maybe I'm getting off topic, but no, I, mean, no I, topic. I read uh, <laughs> uh, I read a lot of uh, stoicism, uh, actually. Like uh, Seneca is my favorite right. letters from a stoic because it teaches you to value only the things that can't be taken away. And the things that uh, can be taken away are usually the things that I obsess about, right? So, Like your life. Like your life, yeah. Like yeah, what? Sure. Like what else is on that list? What do you see as things that can be taken away? That can be taken away? Anything material, mm-hmm. right? So if you're trying to optimize for business, there are so many factors outside of your control that can... But outside that, of business, just for you, like if you're reading Stoicism, yeah. yeah, yeah. What the comfort you get from that at the end of the day is what? The comfort I get is knowing that no matter what the worst case scenario, whether that's in relationships with who knows what, some reader trying to drown himself in a public pool. Or, or your chick leaves. Or a chick or, leaves or, or like a frivolous lawsuit or like right. some horrible piece in the New York Times or whatever. Yeah. Uh, that I have the like emotional objectivity to not overreact to it and and then dwell on it. And that, also you can, uh, by the new book, you can also kill a pigeon or eat, yeah, cook in a can. You could, yeah, the hobo can. Uh, the, the pigeons... I thought their heads would be hard to rip off. It sounds kind of strange to open that way, but um, they're kind of like those candy necklaces. Do you know those things? They're yeah, like, yeah, they're yeah. So, it's it's hard not to pull their head off if they're uh, dead. Okay. Anyway. <laughs> All right, but do, can you track, like, do, like, was there some event in your life where you thought you were going to be without everything? 
I mean, was there? Can you track your your brain to you know to an event, or do you think that your 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 mental state is genetic? Was there some? No, 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 no. Well, I mean, I suppose a lot of things are genetic, although. Um, but like, was there some point where your heart got broken, your old man left or some point where you were like just falling? Yeah. Oh yeah. The year I took away from school was that, uh, I took, I left Princeton in the middle of my senior year. I mean, that's an unusual. So move. you had a breakdown. Yeah. Oh yeah. Definitely. Well, how did that, unfold? Uh, how did that, that unfolded f- from a few things at once? Um, a really damaging relationship that I was in was so the, the environment for all these other things to really. Uh, have, so you have, hung your heart on someone. Yes, and and uh, it was a very bad relationship. Secondly, was well, this, how did it play out? What happened? Uh, it was you know I I wanted to be the fixer, and so it was this girl I'd met seemed pretty unhinged from the outset. Was a chain smoker, and I'm not. I'm just I have a tough time dealing with smoking. But you loved her, right? I was yeah, I did. You were like that I girl did. is like I did, and I, and I was like you know what she's smart. It, at her core, despite all these horrible, like, molting layers of the onion yeah. <laughs> that I'll choose to ignore, she's good at her core. I We can work through this. And so I was like, all right, I'll try to, you know, I can fix this. We'll but, fix but this. But that's how you went into it? That, like, you know, she... Well, I, I mean, that's not how I, like, that, this that is wasn't a, my self-talk every morning. But that but, was a retrospect. That's for, in retrospect. But when, for something, like, did it play out like you met her and you were like, oh, my God, this chick's awesome. Yeah. And, oh, yeah, and, in the beginning. And, right. Oh, sure. And, and then you're like... Oh, she's not doing what I want her to do. Yeah, she, or she's like, "What are you going to do, tough guy? Like, fuck you, make me or whatever." I'm like, what? "Oh, really? Never had this conversation before." Oh, yeah. so she, oh. too, she challenged you. Yeah, well, yeah, in some really unhealthy ways. I mean, sure. because like, you yeah. know, I'd, I'd be like, she'd start smoking in the car, I'd be like, "Do you mind not smoking in the car?" And she'd like, you know, flick it across the car and be like, "Oh my, what God. are you, my father?" Like, you know, parents were yeah. really abusive and translate into all this behavior I hadn't had to contend with before. Uh-huh. But on top of that. I, my senior thesis was killing me, which is funny for a guy who's a writer now, but I, uh, I thought I wasn't gonna be able to finish my thesis. What was it on? It was on the acquisition of Chinese characters, uh, by native English speakers. So looking at sort of the phonetic and semantic pathways by which native English speakers can learn Chinese characters really quickly. And, uh, I got about... I don't know, half of the way through it. Yeah. And keep in mind, like I'm coming up on graduation. This thing is due. And my thesis advisor uh, decided that he wanted me to do a bunch of his research for him. And he said, I want you to incorporate this into the thesis. And it was, it was a total, his, you know, 90 degree turn. Yeah. But he wanted me to do kind of the grunt work. And I told him, I was like, well, I'm going to have to rewrite everything I've done basically. And he said, well, you better get started then I suppose. And it turned into this really fucked up thing where he was on tenure, so no one wanted to mess with him in the department. And I went to the uh, the uh, I don't know, student affairs committee, or whatever yeah. the hell it's called, right. to talk about it. And they're like, oh, no, he would never do that. Like, I don't believe that happened, basically. And I'm like, I'm telling you this happened. Like, I can't do what he's asking me to do. I won't finish this in time. And it's worth, like, whatever it was, a quarter, a third of my four-year right. average. Right. And uh, do you think he was threatened by you and he was like pushing I, you to a limit or? I don't I don't think so mm. I don't I honestly can't so you got a crazy girl flicking cigarettes at you and you got a teacher that's like here do some work for me yeah well do this thing that will almost guarantee that you will not be able to complete your thesis which will fuck up every good grade you've had in this department since right. day one right and what were you getting good grades yeah I was getting good grades yeah um, so I so I just said you know what time out I can't deal with this I'm burned and 
I were you doing athletics too? I was not doing athletics. I was training though. Okay, so so uh, you're burned. So yeah, I was burned. So I I took a year off, and uh, I sort of gave my notice. And my thesis advisor remember, said to me when I told him, he goes, "Oh, you're quitting." Well, when you come back, I hope this is the best thesis I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> and I was like, "All right, here we go." And like into the vortex, man. Uh, so I li- ended up living in Jersey, like in Lawrenceville, and then I was like going to Trenton for boxing classes, and with I the was- chick. No, no. Uh, I went by myself. I was the only person not on work release at the, at the boxing gym. Got my nose But I mean, broke. were you still with the girl? Oh, yeah. No, I was still with the girl. And what was fucked up about it, like the worst thing, the worst part was that yeah. as this was going along, I, I never looked at the relationship as the problem. Uh-huh. And what then, was the, the problem? Well, like this thesis oh, right, and right, right. not knowing what I wanted to do with my life. Were you all, panicking? Like, were you having panic attacks? or like, I was just... panicking. I mean, I would get this thing. Well, let me add one more thing yeah. to the mix because yeah. this is what would cause like the vision to close in. Yeah. I don't know if you've ever had that, but I was, I'm very competitive by nature and I didn't know what I wanted to do professionally after college. Right. And so all of these uh, kids in my class were competing for like Goldman Sachs or yeah. McKinsey because right. that was just what you competed for. So I started going to all these job fairs and The meetings. demon factories. The demon factories. I started going to the demon factories <laughs> and I was on their, like, their, their blueprint. Yeah. Uh, and uh, I just, at one point I was like, I don't fucking want to do this stuff and I don't know what else is out there. It was, okay. the, it was the bleeding the rat moment. It was the bleeding the rat, like these, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So I saw, I saw the thesis and all these other things as the problem. So ostensibly my reason for taking the year off was I want to try a couple of jobs in different industries so that I don't get forced into management consulting or investment banking. It was also to give me breathing room for this thesis. But when anything went wrong or I was having an existential crisis related to those two issues, I saw the relationship as the safety net. Right. You see where I'm going? Right, So then I'm like, well, this is the only thing that I think is keeping me sane. Therefore, I can't end it. Whereas all fucking along, it was what I needed to get rid of. But it wasn't clear until like a year later. You were addicted to the drama. Oh, man. What a mess. So, But it was the only constant that I had at that point. Right, right. You know what I mean? And did did it keep getting worse? Were you fighting with her? And like, you know, it it didn't get much better. And then it got really, really, really bad. Yelling, Uh, screaming in the street? Oh, yeah. Not so much in the street, but definitely... Some yeah. horrible, horrible instances. And how did it ultimately end? I it ended pretty. Uh, I'm not gonna say nonchalantly, but we had I bro- I broke. <laughs> she'd never been broken up with. She just had that like hot girl, bitchy, controlling, psychologically, uh, like very manipulative, but in a highly intelligent way. So it's, she was really good at like Jedi mind tricking me into thinking things were in my best interest. Do you think she did that on purpose? Because I have an issue. Like, I, I wonder about these things. I and mean, you've thought about this stuff a lot. Yeah. I mean, do you think that, that the relationship dynamics between, you know, people, that yeah. sometimes it's not some big plan, yeah. that, that it's innate, that, you know, the yeah. way that they're operating or what I would see as manipulation, yeah. is it's not their plan to do oh, that. Oh, no. No, they're, no, no. They're just getting their needs met. Yeah, oh, absolutely. Yeah. She had no grand strategic because like if you yeah. ever tried to argue with that reasoning it's like you're gonna lose yeah you're, there's yeah. no winning no there was no big plan it was she i don't think she knew how to survive without the drama uh-huh. so she liked to manufacture it uh-huh. and uh i mean man she got it but uh it was what i what i saw was i mean her her father had been very abusive to her mother physically and 
Uh, so she was trying to relive that, and she it, might not have known that. Well, it seemed that way to me. I mean, yeah. at one point, she's like, oh, big fighter guy, blah, blah, blah. What are you going to do? You can hit me? Like, hit me, hit me, hit me. And I was like, what is happening? And I didn't, <laughs> oh, no. You know, and I didn't hit her. Good for you. Uh, <laughs> that's frowned upon and not good so behavior. That, but that happened in the middle of a fight, right? That happened in the middle of a fight. And she saw it escalating. She's like, okay, look me right in the face. She's like, what are you going to do? You gonna hit me? Like hit me? Go for it! Like come on, big guy, tough guy, fighter, huh? Yeah, I've never seen you fight. Like what are you gonna? Do? And it was just like, wow, I couldn't believe it. You know, like if I had written a novel like that, I would have been like, this is totally unbelievable. And she, but by doing that, she won. Yeah, well, I mean, I didn't. I guess I didn't do anything. And then uh, you, you had no what? There was nothing you could do. I'll tell you what. What ended it though yeah. was a, a, a one of my closest friends I hadn't seen in a very long yeah. time had dinner with me and my girlfriend mm -hmm. and uh after dinner sauce fighting about something or other like yeah. off in the distance because i didn't want to make a scene and overheard some of it and we uh we were hanging out later that night going for a walk and he said that girl is going to bring all of the demons out of you he's like you need to end that relationship and this is a guy who dealt with his own demons <laughs> in a major major way and uh that was that was that was it what, i mean what were those demons what were your biggest fears well like that you demons, would hit her oh something like that right something really that is, just uh yeah something like a, a fundamental negative game right, changer like that. right right and uh interesting so that was it i was just like we're done and so that's out i had way. tried to do it before but uh i wasn't able to do it until the thesis was in Oh, really? Yeah. And then once it was in, it was like, all right, weight off the shoulders. Like, Beast of Burden can actually lift his head now. Yeah. We're done. Yeah. And uh, that was that. So you went back and finished it and graduated. Yeah, I did. I did. Hardest thing I've ever done. Hardest year I've ever had. With the exception, uh, I shouldn't say with the exception, close second place, the last year of my life. Like, yeah. Up to this point, the last year has been extremely, extremely trying, but nothing compared to that year. Well, that's interesting that, you know, you kept that relationship going, you know, throughout this process because it uh, you obviously was grounded in some, that you were grounded by it somehow. Well, exactly. So it's like, in retrospect, I can say, oh God, that was the big negative thing. But I'm like, would I have made it through that, those dark days without it as fucked up as it was? I don't know. Like maybe as, as horrible and awful as it was. It was the it was as a constant what I needed at the time. A even, constant obsessive struggle. Something that is predictable. That's what I had. You know what I mean? In, oh, okay. In, okay. In a way. Yeah, 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 yeah. And yeah. Um, you knew what you were getting. It wasn't good, support. Good. It wasn't good. <laughs> it, you know, it, it was kind of the devil you know is better than the devil you don't know. Right, right, right. right. And uh, God, I'm glad I ended that one though. What, you, disaster what happened to her you know <laughs> i do know and i'm obviously not going to mention her by name but she I, I heard from her like a year ago yeah and i got a facebook message yeah. check this out yeah <clears throat> facebook message was oh hi tim i was thinking about you today i have two new kids now look aren't they pretty uh -huh. you know see my uh -huh. photos uh -huh. and i'm breastfeeding now and i had a couple of questions da 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 and oh by the way this is the the, yeah. the, the the kicker she goes yeah. by the way i had a dream last night that you and your dad were drowning your mom in a bathtub i don't know what that means hope all's well bye <laughs> oh my god <laughs> i'm just like wow am i glad that those kids are did not she, with me did yeah. she know your family She'd met them, absolutely. The only time my mom... Like, my mom's usually very nice with... Uh, and, and likes my girlfriends. Yeah. This is the one case where she was just... Like, you could see it clear as day. And, and we talked about it, too. She was just like, 
I do not think this is a good idea. Right. Uh, so. So now you're on this 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 path you're on. You know where you're you're, you know this diet thing. Yeah. It, it's like it's interesting to me because like I I see that like when you look at your books, man, it's sort of like you're driven by this fucking. Yeah. It's it seems like a demon to me. But I mean, ultimately, yeah, it, perhaps in a way, it's what yeah. if what outside of the business that yeah. you seem to be building around the four hour brand. Yeah. I mean, what you, you, you know, what has it done for your life in terms of like, have, like it would seem to me that after if you think like this all the time, mm-hmm. you would be constantly exhausted. I mean, what are you looking to get out of all this? If I don't think this way, I get exhausted. That's the weird thing. Like my relaxation I think you, I, I think you'll get this though. My relaxation is having one singular thing to focus on and obsess yeah. about while ignoring everything else. I find that really relaxing. Like to turn off, ignore email for a week, ignore phone calls for a week, not calendar anything new, not commit to anything new, and just be like, "Sorry, like I'm doing this weird medical adventure in Nicaragua. Like <laughs> you'll have to wait." Right. So and, everything. So your whole being goes into whatever yeah, it is. Blocking everything else out, I find really relaxing. But but not staying in that. Like you shift it. Like that, and that's sort of the the nature of your creativity is that yeah. you lock in for two weeks and you go yeah. all in because it seems to me that w- not so much with the four hour body, but with the with the four hour chef that you're you well maybe with both of them that that maybe the competitive nature of you is sort of like everything you know is bullshit. And, mm-hmm. and most of it is posturing mm-hmm. that if you know anybody who has the capability to focus thoroughly on just about anything can get the same results. Yeah, I think that's true. Uh, but I think I'm in the unique position of having a career that allows me to exclusively do that. Whereas most people have other jobs. They don't have the time. So I take it upon myself to be the human guinea pig for all this stuff. But that's sort of an inspirational message on some on some Oh, yeah, level. definitely. Because I've known for myself that, you know, I'm real good at, at, at a lot of things, you know, for about, you know, the first hour. Yeah. That, like, because there's almost sort of, like, this horrible fear of failure. Yeah. That, you know, and a lot of people have that. Oh, and, sure. and I'm not tooting my own horn. I'm saying I'm talented. But the focus doesn't hold. But the need not to fail yeah. will hold for a little bit. Sure. But I, I'm not that disciplined around right. it. And it seems to me that some of your drive is sort of that as well. Yeah, I mean, I absolutely. I think that, and I don't think as depressing as it might seem to realize that most people are driven by loss aversion uh, or or fear of failure. It can be really useful. So you, uh, well, you're gonna fail. Well, well, <laughs> I mean, you're gonna fail at stuff certainly, but meaning like all this sort of positive psychology and like. We, we, offering rewards and things like that doesn't work as well as having a stick. And that's not to say you have to be a tyrant, but if it's being a tyrant with yourself, for instance, uh, a friend of mine named AJ Jacobs, he's a writer. In, I know in AJ your, Jacobs. Okay. Yeah. All right. So AJ, to lose weight, wrote a check to the KKK for $1,000 as a Jewish guy and gave it to a friend of his and said, if I don't lose X amount by X point, Y point in time, I want you to mail this to the KKK. Seems ridiculous, right? But but what was there a specific? I mean, writing a check to a general KK, you just put KKK, AK <laughs> KKK North Pole, right? To, to no. The, right, right. No, but the point being, yeah, that it. if if you take, if you look at research, even auction behavior, overbidding stuff like that, there's a site called, and I don't have any affiliation with it, Stick dot com, S D I C K K dot com, where uh-huh. you can put money in escrow and choose an anti charity uh-huh. that uh, you would rather nuke than give money to. Right. You can then be refereed by people on the site uh, or friends as to whether you do what you commit to doing. Like, 
going to the gym two times a week uh-huh. or practicing the guitar three times a week, uh-huh. whatever. So it's if, like some weird uh, enforcement of resolution. Exactly. And it was it was initially hatched by a, uh, a Yale professor. Yeah. And it was the commitment store, but it works incredibly well. I've looked at the numbers and you take someone or you take, let's say, losing losing weight. Typically, f- maybe 15 to 20% temporary success rate. And you can get that up to 80% just by adding in the stakes, uh-huh. some type of uh-huh. of uh, consequence. Uh-huh. So I think that's uh, as if heart disease, diabetes, ca- cancer is not they're enough. N- they're not enough because they're 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 still sort of like they're too a, far away and yeah, they're too yeah. abstract for people. Yeah, no one wants it. They all think they're going to beat it right somehow. Right, which is why if I want to get someone to cut their insulin in half or uh, reverse heart disease. I don't sell them any of that shit because clearly other people have talked to them about it and it's not working. I'll sell them 15 minute orgasms, six pack abs and all that. I'll be like, look, if you don't stop doing X, your dick's going to stop working and Y point in time. And they're like, oh, oh, stop the presses. Let's talk. And then I can Trojan horse all the stuff that I think they need by giving them right. that sort of the, sizzle. The dream of six packs abs and the 15 minute orgasm. Yeah, exactly. So what is the 15 minute orgasm? Uh, this is female, obviously, a 15-minute male orgasm would be pretty painful. 15-minute uh, orgasm is female, repeated female orgasms over a 15-minute period of time. And uh, Yeah, well, that, that's that's doable. Yeah, it's yeah. doable, and it's coachable. Yeah. Uh, so I spent time with a couple of groups. Some people have called them sex cults. Yeah. Not necessarily the case, but not too far off. Uh, in some cases, but one taste was one in San Francisco. I mean, yeah. San Francisco of all places sure, has sure. a lot can, of options. You can uh, do a lot of things, uh, you know, sexually in San Francisco. Yeah, that, and in SF, uh, well, specifically in uh, some of these other um, Morehouse University back in the day, all they did was focus on manually stimulating women. It was like an orgasm training school. That's all they did to a large extent. So I figured, well. Even as fringe as these people might be, they've probably figured some stuff out if all they're doing is sexually right. well, related. I, I just saw a, a cute documentary on uh, HBO about, you know, that was hosted by a naked woman, um, a, about the evolution of the dildo and the vibrator that I didn't realize that be, during repressed times, Victorian times, that these women were losing their mind with, uh, and they had a, a name for it. I can't remember the name of the of the syndrome, yeah. but it was specifically because they weren't having orgasms and weren't, well, it, maybe it was, but the treatment was literally this vibrator that <laughs> they were actually designed to it, distemper. I can't remember what, but like the, that apparently doctors were, I'm just imagining dildos being handed over the counter at the prescription lane at kind of, Walgreens. Well, but they would go to doctors <laughs> who would jerk them off to relieve them wow. of this distemper. Yeah. That, you know, the, the female orgasm and everything around it, yeah. you know, is uh, it's, it's essential. You need to learn how to do that. Oh, it's important. It solves a lot of problems. <laughs> they need to learn how to do it. You should probably know how to it do it. It solves a lot of problems. Or, or facilitate. So, yeah. so that was that research. That was the sex part of the four-hour yeah, body. That was uh, Well, it was the female orgasm part. I mean, I also looked at... Uh, increasing sperm count and testosterone in males, which is really fascinating stuff. Uh, quite easy to do, in fact. Um, but you can you can find some really unusual needles in the haystack. Like one thing I noticed because I had low testosterone at one point was that I had a selenium deficiency, and uh, I used a company called Spectracell, and you can get this done anywhere to do uh, just do a mineral. And nutrient analysis. So it's just. It, I mean, what, were, what were the symptoms of this that made you concerned? Outside of you just you know poking around your blood work. I mean, were you like yeah, lo- lower sex drive, fatigue? You know, just 
But doesn't that happen again, here and again? It happens here and again, but it was persistent. Okay. And so I, I started uh, to supplement with, let's say, Brazil nuts, which have very high selenium, and uh, also fixed a few other things, specifically increased my saturated fat intake, and uh, was able to, I think it was, I have to look in the book, it was double or triple my free testosterone, and I doubled my sperm count and my motility and all of that. Every guy who's thinking of having kids should do that right now. I'm not kidding. Selen- I thought selenium I was, boost? Uh, well, test your swimmies. Like, figure out if your, uh, your, your swimmers are healthy or not, because I assumed everything was okay, uh, and realized when I did my, because I, I, was, I was thinking to myself, well, like, who knows? I had a friend who had got testicular cancer and had to have one of his testicles removed, which yeah. scared the shit out of me. Yeah. So I was like, you know what? I need to start storing my material in case something happens and I still want to have kids. Okay. And I went to uh, a clinic to do that. Results come back. They're like, yeah, these, these things are looking kind of wonky. We're not sure what's going on, but <laughs> swimming in circles. Yeah, they're <laughs> exactly. It's like the special Olympics. Yeah. So we need to fix this. Uh-huh. And, uh, the other thing I did very simple. Anybody can do this is I took my cell phone out of my pocket. Um, there's a lot of research to suggest that there's sperm killers. Yeah. You're microwaving your balls basically. And, uh, there are a lot of animal studies and animal models that have looked at this. I don't know. Like who funds, you know, roasting rat testicles? But uh, isn't there? Is there a? Is there? Do you think you're a very sort of productive hypochondriac? I mean, like I just had this moment where it's like with with your free time, you just sort of like I don't think my toes working. (laughs) Is there something? (laughs) Like I mean, are you sitting around going like, how come my nails aren't growing? Yeah, I mean, yeah, I kind of am like that. (laughs) Uh, What I don't do, I don't. I don't go online and look up random symptoms no. uh, because then you'll think you have 15 diseases. Uh, what I will do is blood test. It's just like maintaining a car. Like if you're going to pay money and go to the trouble of doing the 60,000 mile checkup and all this shit, do the same thing with your body. Mm-hmm. For God's sake, it's like 150 bucks. Yeah, I just two. got a blood test. I got a, yeah. my, my cholesterol is a little high. But I feel all right. Yeah. Well, that's honestly, I mean, if you feel... If you feel good and there's no huge red flag in blood work, then don't worry about it. Uh, but I can I still get six pack abs? I'm 49 years old. What can, I mean, what? what oh, you what? can get six pack abs for sure. Okay, all right. But, uh, but let's, let's talk you about. You can't it. do it by the star like starvation sub. No, I'm not. I'm not. Calorie calorie I haven't stuff, been starving. I, you know, my, right. I got sugar issue. I, yeah, right. I, I like sugar, yeah. and I get strung out on sugar. And I, I'm not unusual. <laughs> that's the world in a nutshell that's a big problem with your diet is that like you know that one fucking cheat day i will go to town and then it's like i it's hit or miss you know like if like once i get a taste of that shit and i have that milkshake or whatever go nuts though that's no i know but 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 like two days after i go nuts i'm like that fucking felt good (laughs) (laughs) so (laughs) right i i mean yeah i there it can be very seductive there are ways to kind of hedge a little bit with that stuff uh, but yeah you can get six pack abs you have to have muscle underneath it so you need you need both the diet is going to be 99 percent right i don't know if i need six pack abs obviously i need to go back to the gym but let's get back real quick and, and i want to i want to we don't even have to be real quick but so the idea of this of, of I, I like the idea of like you know donating money or, or, or having consequences if you don't do what you say you're going to do for yourself. Yeah. That, that's interesting to me because it seems to me that what happens with me is I go through cycles mm-hmm. and there's a, a, just a slow cycle back to my regular habits. And obviously yeah. I, I'm not obese 
And, you know, I'm not doing anything that's horribly dangerous. Right. Though, I, yeah, I could probably, my coffee intake is high. But eventually, I don't have a pattern of living yeah. that would just you know, remain constant yeah. uh, in terms of health. Yeah. So, what do you suggest for that? What I would suggest, just a quick note on the on the on the coffee. Yeah. So, way too much caffeine can cause a decrease in active thyroid, which could relate to the fat loss. Um, but that's usually if you're if you're like more than six hundred milligrams of coffee a day, or four, well, four to six. What are the other consequences of that? Coffee of the yeah yeah like uh, you know, it, the, it, the 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 verdicts out. I mean, I like coffee. It you read research one week and it says it it helps stave off Parkinson's. You read yeah. the next week it says uh, it looks yeah. like it's moving the opposite direction. Uh, but I think that you know I love coffee. I just try to temper it with other sources of caffeine, like right. green tea and things like that. But yeah. the coming back to your question, if if you want to have a sort of a maintenance default. Yeah schedule yeah. or some type of thing that keeps yeah. you fit and whatnot do as little as possible i think the biggest mistake people make is they're like okay new yeah. year's resolution i'm gonna go to the gym four times a week yeah. hour minimum yeah i'm gonna change everything about my diet right and it doesn't work right. you have to change one habit at a time which is why when i'm when i'm let's say interacting with readers who are severely obese like 400 pounds 500 yeah. pounds i don't have them exercise at all for the first few months i have them just focus on the diet that's it and specifically, I have them focus on breakfast. Uh, so let's I would talk s- about the diet then. Yeah. Yeah, let's be one of those shows. I don't do these <laughs> kind of shows very often, <laughs> okay. but let's do it. Yeah. So the the first thing is thirty grams of protein within thirty minutes of waking up. That's the first thing I would have people do. That I'm like, look, if you can do eggs, one, meat. Yep, three eggs. Have a burger with some lentils. Say you can yeah. have a burger if it's uh, three eggs with some lentils with yolks. Yeah, with yolks. Uh-huh. So it's important that you get it from a good. That's store. what I was doing. I was doing turkey meat and beans. But what do you? Yeah. Do? How do you tell people to maintain their lives when they're farting constantly with your <laughs> fucking diet? Well, you could use. <laughs> you don't have to do the beans. <laughs> what, so, what are you going to eat though? It's yeah. like all right. Go ahead. I'm sorry. I no, you're you. fine. You're all fine. All right. So okay, lentils and three eggs within 30 minutes of waking up. You could up. also put something called epazote, which you can definitely get around here. Sure. Uh, onto the beans, which uh, you know, it's a it's a me- Mexican green, right? It's a it's a Mexican spice slash herb, effectively, oh, but okay. it decreases gas. Okay. Also. Okay. Uh, if you want to do the beans, yeah. The you could also do protein shake so you sure. keep it super simple that's what my dad did and he went from five pounds of monthly fat loss on average to 17.85 in the first four weeks the point being he didn't actively change any of his diet other than adding in 30 grams of protein within 30 minutes of waking up uh, but the, he still ate milk and everything else did whatever the hell he wanted yeah and um, only later once he'd once he'd made that his default routine and no longer had to think about it yeah then I added in changes to his other meals huh then he once that was done, let's say four to eight weeks later, then I added in the exercise. And I think that layered approach is really important. But for exercise, people are like, oh, how much do you exercise? I'm like, honestly, my default is kettlebell swings twice a week. That's it. Like no matter what, come hell or high water, I'm going to do something resembling kettlebell swings twice a week for 50 to 100 repetitions. It takes five minutes. It's a full body workout. Oh, yeah, it works everything. Except for your sort of uh, your pecs, which I don't use for anything. Just do push-ups. Just do push-ups. Yeah, exactly. All right, so let's go over the diet. The diet is basically nothing white: no sugar, no uh, no milk, no cheese, no ice cream, no flour, no. uh, Yeah, avoid things that are white. Yeah, Yeah. avoid things that are white. Don't drink calories, uh, so you can no sugar. Yeah, avoid sugar, avoid fruit juice, avoid milk, etc. Yeah. 
you're allowed one or two glasses of wine a night, if, uh, yeah, if preferably dry red, if, yeah. if people want that. And then uh, you're going to 30 grams within 30 minutes of waking up. Mm. And I, say, I didn't do that. Yeah, it's super helpful. It makes a big difference. Uh, Just in metabolizing? It improves. It does a few things. The first thing it does mm. is it it sets you up hormonally for the rest of the day in a very favorable condition for fat loss and also sustained energy so you don't get dips at like 2 to 2 to 3 p.m. Yeah. Uh, that relates to thyroid, uh, different things like ghrelin, for instance. Um, but you don't need to understand any of that shit. You just have to know 30 grams of protein within 30 minutes of waking up. It's also very good for adding muscle mass. Uh, most people do not consume enough protein. Um, the, the other point I would make about it is that <clears throat> protein has what's what's called a very high thermal effect of food it causes you to burn more calories as he, off as heat yeah so you just burn more fat and it also has a very positive effect um on appetite so you end up not you end up typically let's just say with eggs in particular eggs yeah. have some pretty cool properties yeah. consuming 20 uh in some studies 20 percent fewer calories over the entire day yeah. just by having eggs in the morning huh whole eggs though with choline and all that good stuff right um and then, I mean, typically the meals that you're that you're that you're building have some combination of protein. I'm fine with fatty protein; I don't care at all. Uh, ve- veggies of some type, like steamed veggies or whatever, and then beans or lentils or, or what have you. So, what can you eat compulsively? I'm a compulsive eater. This yeah. is the problem: is that like chipotle? Okay, yeah, oh, salad bowls and what? Yeah, 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 yeah absolutely. Yeah. Chipotle, you could do Thai food. All you have to do is sub out the rice or what, whatever. So you it might can be. just eat beans all day long. Doesn't fucking matter. <laughs> you could do beans all day long. <laughs> that could definitely get you pretty unhappy. Uh, gassy. gassy. Unhappy girlfriend. <laughs> right, exactly. Mm-hmm. Need wide open spaces. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> what does four hour relate? What does that mean? Okay. So the four, <laughs> the four hour thing came from the four hour work week. The book was turned down by 27. I, I've been saying 26. My agent was like, the four hour work week. Was turned down by 27 publishers. It, that was the amount of time I spent in 2005 running my business. And... Four hours for the whole year? Per week. No, no, per week. (laughs) And uh, then the four-hour body was, I mean, I was using the brand that I'd already established, but the four hours was also the amount of time that uh, my dad spent working out per month to lose 90, ultimately 90 pounds. All right. Yeah. Yeah. So that's that. So ultimately it was a brand thing. It mostly a brand thing, uh, but I feel the need to like literally justify it in somewhere in each book. But some dude emailed me even when I'm talking about your diet and he said, you know, you you can go crazy on the cheat day, but depending on how much, how well you know yourself and what that's, you know, from your past, what that means, is it going to open the floodgate? You know, because like ultimately what happens with somebody like me, because I think that a lot of this stuff is about control. And and I think a lot about, you know, the way you work is is about control and it's a feeling of control. Most eating disorders are about control. Yeah. So with me, what happens is like if I get into it, yep. then your whole you know, 90% of your brain is around this fucking, you know, right. what am I going to eat? How am I going to eat? How am I going to eat at that place? You know, yep. did I eat this today? Did I not eat this today? I didn't. Oh, I'm a fucking genius. I'm great. And yep. then like, and then the other part of that, the only thing that's, that's really keeping you going is like, well, Saturday is the fucking, I'm going to have a milkshake, oh, I'm going to yeah. have french fries, yeah, I'm going to fucking have ice cream, you know, and, and, yeah. and if you're not careful, you're like, here was the one thing I fell into, is like the day of my cheat day, I'm like, when does it start? Well, I, you tweeted me, you're like, <laughs> is cheat day midnight to midnight? Right, that's right. 
<laughs> that's where when I was first experimenting with all this stuff my brother said to me he goes you have the longest fucking Saturdays I've ever seen in my life it's like a 48 hour Saturday right but the uh, so let me let me mention a few things so the yeah. first is that the uh, uh, I think it was 70 I'd have to look at it but it's something like 70% of the people that we tracked like the 3,500 people had no problem with cheat day had zero negative impact on fat gain uh, or, or fat loss yeah right? the the where people get into trouble with cheat days and and is splitting it across two days so if you do it let's say before you go to bed like you stay up really right, late noon to noon or something yeah, exactly where you where you eat it before if you're right, right, if you're right. gorging between two bedtimes you got to start in the morning with the diet you, up, you can't right. right the second the, i'd say the the other primary problem that folks have is and this doesn't it, this this happens less than you might think, but if they have the cheat day uh-huh. and they've been uh-huh. they've been told for so long that that is going to negatively affect what they're trying to accomplish, and they go, you know what, I had one cheat day, like fuck it, I'm already into it, I might as well just have like a croissant the next morning, and right? This, I'll, that, and the see, other I'll thing. start again Monday, right? Yeah. Exactly. That's when people then immediately go back into their old behavior. What typically happens is people will say keep and this is what a lot of readers have recommended just keep a list of like their targets for Saturday like every time they have a, an urge to eat something they'll just be like alright I'll put that on my to eat list for Saturday they'll so overdo it that first Saturday they'll make themselves feel pretty sick and they, they you get a fucking you get exhausted yeah you get like an insulin hangover yeah and they'll go right back to the diet next Saturday they'll do the same thing yeah. feel fucking horrible go back to the diet that's what happened and to then, me and then they start to, but then they start toning it down and they'll they'll tone down the cheat day, just uh, so they don't feel shitty. Just so they don't feel shitty. And so what I recommend to those people, and again, it's I, I try to layer in like one simple behavior at a time. I'll be like, all right, try this. First meal of the day, have a couple eggs and some spinach, like some fiber. Get that in your body. It doesn't have to be big. It could be like three hundred, four hundred yeah. calories, and then you can have your cheat day. And what they find is like, wow, I don't feel like total shit. Fantastic. So put but it, now they're only having like two or three cheat meals instead of 17. Right. So you put a fiber bed down. Uh, yeah, exactly. In the morning. Yeah, yeah, exactly. No, that's exactly what you're doing. So, well, here's here's the other thing I think people do is what, what I do. It's like you have your cheat day and then the next day it's like, oh, we got to meet those people for brunch. Ah, yeah. Fuck. Yeah. Well, I'm not going to eat the pancakes. I mean, yeah. you have to, you have to, you have uh, to commit. You just have to commit. All right, so let's get into this four-hour chef because this is yeah. what you know. Ultimately, you know, I got this book, and I'm like, this guy's really fucking nuts. And and like, I got to talk to him. I'm, I didn't. Really, how I don't know. It takes a lifetime to read either of your books. I think. Well, no, no, no. You're, I mean, they're big books, obviously, but the they're they're written like choose your own adventure books. No, so the, people dip oh, I it, see. Like I people kind of dip in and out but with like, the, the stuff that they want to read. But it seems to me because I love food and I like watching cooking shows and I like cooking. It seems to me that you're like, fuck it, I can be a gourmet cook. Fuck school, fuck it. You know, I yeah. if I just apply myself, I can do this. And it's broken into. Uh, you talk about your the learning thing, the meta learning thing, yeah. which is just that basically, if you apply yourself and focus, if you study the world's fastest learners, whether it's chess, languages, yeah. basketball, whatever, right, you can you can decipher a process that you can apply to anything, including cooking. So that's that meta learning is basically this blueprint for acquiring any skill faster, and that's what I'm teaching. In the four-hour uh, chef, I mean, the subtitles is grandiose sounding as any of my, any of my others, but you know, the simple path to cooking like a pro, learning anything, and living the good life—very narrow scope. But the this oh, is you got to sell books. This is right, exactly. Yeah. This is the book on learning that my readers have been asking me for. But it's fucking boring to write about like 
you know, f- phonetic acquisition of Chinese characters by native English. Nobody's going to buy that. So I want to integrate that into the cooking. Yeah, it's like Zen. It's like Zen in the art of motorcycle maintenance in that sense. So then you do domestic cooking, and then you do the wild, and then you do like sort of gastro uh, gastron. What do you oh, call it? Oh, molecular gastronomy. Yeah. yeah, the scientist. Right, yeah. and then uh, then you talk about professional uh, chefs and whatnot. But it was interesting to me. So you're basically using this as an example to sort of put in place or applying your concept of metal metal learning. Yeah. So exactly. you're going to start with cooking. Right. That's what this book is. That's exactly what. It now, is. are you trying to? You know, are you trying to become a uh, a leader of men? <laughs> do, you, do you want people? Are you going to go out there and wear a headset and and, and oh, do man. the big talk rally? I I don't do much public speaking. I don't enjoy it. So it's really about book sales with you and no, the internet it's presence. N- it's not. See, the thing is with book sales. Um, yeah. No, just just to address that. If I wanted to, if if money, and I'm not saying finance isn't a component of evaluating all these decisions, but it's not the best way to make money selling books. It's just, it just isn't. The economics aren't good. But I, I, I enjoy teaching. I always thought I was going to be like a ninth or 10th grade teacher. Sure. I really did. Yeah, and maybe uh, a wrestling coach. You know, maybe. <laughs> okay. I enjoy that. Yeah. And uh, it just turned out that the books were a vehicle f- and the blog, you know, I, sp- I spent a lot of time on the blog for teaching. Um, so the, the, you, you asked me, you mentioned drivers earlier. My driver is to put, interview all these experts as sort of this explorer, do all these fucking ridiculous experiments like the New York city food marathon and all that stuff. Then to put it out there into the world and see the readers who come back with even better tips, even better stories. So you create a community. Yeah. It's fun to learn from people who then come to me. Like for instance, one of the guys who ended up being in the professional section uh, Grant Ackett's, who's yeah. at a linear restaurant in Chicago, which yeah. is at the time the number one ranked restaurant in the U.S. His partner, Nick Konis, who's a fascinating guy, he used to be a derivatives trader, but he reached out to me because he was a, he was uh, he had read the previous books. And the only reason he was able to reach me was through the blog. So it's like those kind of incoming random... Con- I found you on Twitter. Yeah, exactly. This, and I didn't know anything. I just had yeah. a diet problem. I just needed a fucking basic question asked. Yeah, well, I think, you know, I think it's... How did it... How did, how did that all start? I'm actually really curious because someone... Uh, pointed out your interview with uh with uh, jimmy kimmel yeah where they were like steve ferris i think you mean tim ferris right and then but then there was a separate thing whereas you pat oswalt and uh uh louis ck yeah talking about like weight stuff yeah and then the four-hour body came up but right how, like what was your very first oh it was uh your friend jonah ray jonah yeah. ray who's also coming like you know i'm getting it i'm getting it you know yeah you know it's a it's a it's a great book it's i gave it away as one of the free ones i got i gave as a gift isn't that nice of me very nice uh but but there's a lot in here it's a very compelling book because you just open it and there's a page full of knives <laughs> and then you know they, you know you're gutting a fish and a squirrel and killing pigeons and you're all full of blood there's traps there's like there's a survival Survivalist uh, sort of feel to the wild chapter yeah. where it's sort of like there's part of you that like right the survive top survival gear tarps traps and tactical knives that <laughs> is there part of you that's sort of like preparing for something uh, or you just want to be prepared no I you know I went a little off the rails with that section um, why I, because you got off it you're a guy that couldn't bleed a fucking rat and now you're out there killing pigeons and squirrels and a fish and you killed I a, know you killed know. that what did you shoot a deer shot a deer recently shot a by caribou I don't I, but I eat it all like I use it all and I no, make, make stuff out of the skin like Ed Gein style used well, to make, I hope you're not doing that used to make lamb yeah, sure. yeah, I'm not doing that but okay. the the uh, I had to cut 250 pages from that book if you can believe that uh, and part of it was because I was I'm in San Francisco and I took a class yeah. called uh, NERT which was taught by the fire department the police department right 
and it's for re- disaster response training. Right. And they basically said, what What do you guys think the population of San Francisco is? Okay, whatever yeah. it is, 800,000. Okay, how right. many fire engines do you think we have? And people are like, 50, 100, 500. And he's like, 19. Okay, what that means is, just We're to on set our the own. tone, you're on your fucking own. It's like <laughs> Lord of the Flies for seven to 10 days. If we have an earthquake like we did, if we have another earthquake like Loma Prieta in 1989, Lord of the Flies all over again. So you need to know what's going on. So you became obsessed with that. I did because it wasn't coming Scary, from some dude. like, you know, crackpot. It was, uh-huh. I was in a police department uh-huh. having this said to me. Uh-huh. Uh, so I did the basics, you know, I got the like generator, gasoline, right. water, et cetera. Yeah. But then I, uh, I randomly, well, it wasn't random. I met this guy, hedge fund guy who, uh, you know, richer than God, who wanted to, me to turn him into the, the main character from Limitless. Do you know that movie? Like NZT, take a pill, like, see the world in 15 right, dimensions right. he wanted me to turn him into that and he's like unlimited budget make me that guy I was like alright well if you're going to try all this stuff fantastic and he had a, a po- he had built an apocalypse proof <laughs> you know, billionaire compound like mini city in Texas in rural Texas and so I I had it specked out I got like the blueprints the shopping lists the guy had <laughs> had bought a Saracen tank like the ones they used in Northern Ireland it was amazing what is that it's it's a uh, it's a six-wheeled tank that they use in urban environments okay, as right, right, tanks. Right. So what I thought would be really fun would be to have like a blueprint of this thing. Just to be like, if you had an unlimited budget and yeah. thought the world were going to end, what would you actually do? If you were really smart, what would it look like? And so I had this fantasy about specking this whole thing out, and it turned into this just crazy rabbit hole where I, you know, I ended up meeting all these preppers and all these survivalists and getting a million and one tips, and it just it exploded into like 100 pages of content. So... Uh, and that's gone. And that's the I next have book. it. I'll use it for something. It's a little. It's a little weird. I mean, I why? Uh it's not weird, but it's. I don't want to give people. I, what I don't want to do is have people throw out the the baby with the bathwater. If I put in the really crazy stuff, then they don't take the more conservative recommendations. Well, what's seriously. like a really crazy thing? Well, I, buying a tank is pretty crazy. Sure. Uh, I would say a lot of people fighting for that right as we speak. Uh, yeah, this uh, indeed. Uh, I mean, the amount of, of weaponry yeah. that one might have. Okay, right. Uh, having electromagnetic pulse weaponry. I don't know if you've ever heard of this yeah, kind of stuff. The kind that makes people like grab their head and go, no! Nah! It destroys electronics. So right. one potential terrorist threat, which is actually quite real, is that you could have uh, an electromagnetic pulse bomb detonated over the Great Lakes, let's say. Yeah. And so this guy had backup chips in electromagnetic pulse-proof boxes buried at strategic locations on his property. Uh, backup to, chips with what? Who for is like for electronics, for generators, and all of this type of stuff. Okay. And um, that'd be another example. But I didn't want people to say, "Oh, you know what? That's crazy." So I'm not going to spend an afternoon at Costco getting water and canned goods because I think it is a good idea if you're living on a fault line to do that kind of stuff sure and what was so you're just being practical like emergency emergency response survival yeah which encapsulates hunting for your own food yeah being prepared for basic emergencies like water electricity uh maybe some looting and pillaging (laughs) you 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 better (laughs) make sure you're the guy with superior firepower uh but the which is a slippery slope which is a very slippery slope there was some other fun stuff that i took out one of the one of the things i thought was kind of cool was uh spoke with some military guys about how they would escape new york city or la for instance uh a couple of major cities in the case of like a red alert catastrophe like Uh a a 9-11 or dirty, dirty bomb or something like that so they had some really fascinating 
recommendations. Like what? Uh, buying something akin to a U-Haul truck and having a uh, Zodiac inflatable boat with like a couple of canisters of gasoline. Basically, buying a place or a, par- a permanent parking spot or even having a... Uh, Outside of the city. N- right, close to a waterway so that you could go from, let's say, Manhattan to New Jersey as opposed to trying to go over bridges. Something like that, which actually would only cost... I mean, only obviously relative, but you know, fifteen, twenty grand. If you're extremely wealthy and you don't have, but you don't have a helicopter, even if you had a helicopter, you could very easily get grounded. But with something like that, it'd be really easy to get out of a city. The um, you didn't put that in the book. I did not. Didn't seem to fit in with the cooking motif. <laughs> well, that's what happened. Is my well? First of all, the book was supposed to be two hundred fifty pages. Ended up whatever it is, six hundred ninety-two. And uh, my editor got the first draft, and I just remember the meeting where I was like, okay, guys, we have some news. Everything's yeah. going great. Yeah. Uh, that 250-page book yeah. is now, at the time, it's like 950. And like, <laughs> but I think people, like, should, people should know yeah. that you know, you, ha- you, know, you have parts of this book where it's like how to properly cook an egg, and then there's you know, you know, a couple hundred pages later, yeah. you know, it's how to kill something with a bow and arrow. Because, pe- because people hate cooking. They hate cooking. And I hated I cook- cooking. Well, a lot of people hate cooking. I hated cooking for so long because I found it time consuming. And every time I tried it, I didn't know where shit was in the grocery store. And like, there's so many reasons I didn't like cooking, which is why I wanted to use it to showcase learning. I was like, this is the thing that I've quit the most before. So let me try. So you just went to town. Not only did you learn how to cook gourmet style food yeah. and also cook to accommodate your dietary needs that are yeah. in your other book, yeah. but you're also sort of like, well, I've never. I've never hunted my own food and you yeah. used everything in the animal. I don't know anything about knives or bows or guns, so I need yeah. to learn about that. Right. Uh, you know, if I, you know, I, I needed to learn how to cook in a can if yeah. necessary. Right. So, yeah, exactly. It's but like it's it. funny, you walk into my house, you never roasted your own fucking coffee. Oh, I got a whirly pop in that there. That was cool. I'm really into it. I'm, I'm going to get one. I, I found the fucking blind side oh, of your entire oh. being, Tim. <laughs> I'm you like, you me. never roasted your own coffee? Caught me unaware. You're eating I, squirrels. I know. And you haven't roasted your own fucking coffee. I know. Worlds to explore, man. That's what keeps me excited. I'm like, I'm so excited to roast my own coffee. I've never tried it. <laughs> I got to find that. I can't wait. I got to find the instructions and I'll email it to yeah. you. Did you piss off any chefs? Uh, you know, this is... Uh, because you're basically saying, yeah. look, look, you guys, it all looks fancy on television, but you, you know, I can wear a t-shirt and I don't need a chef's hat and I don't need to go to culinary school and I can fucking do this. Well, what I'm saying is that it doesn't have to be complicated. I'm definitely not saying I can waltz in and outcook, you know, Thomas Keller or anything like that. And I, and I, and I do always view myself be, not to become even more narcissistic than, uh, than I suppose I am already that I'm, I'm the guide, I'm the explorer, I'm never the expert, uh, but I do gather all these experiments and I think come out with some pretty cool stuff. The, the chefs, uh, I've interacted with have been awesome. Like they haven't, the, I'll put it this way. The chefs who are like really good, but not top 1%. Yeah. Don't like me. Right. A, not all of them, but a right. lot of them. Right. And there's a bunch of ego and they just, they view me as a pain in the ass. The, the guys at the very top love to talk about fundamentals and how they make things simple. And there's so little ego in my experience. I mean, like totally because open. Because you're not a threat to them. No, exactly. It, but it's like, yeah. it's a competitive thing. It's sort of like if they're, if you get, you're talking to guys who are still gunning to be the big chefs yeah. and you come along and go, oh, I can do that easy. They're like, well, fuck you. But guys who are like, and also you're not saying that like, you know, I can do your job. No, not at all. And it's like, I wouldn't, and I didn't walk in and say I could do that. Yeah. I, what I would walk in and say is like, I would just say, do you have 30 minutes for me to ask a couple questions? Mm-hmm. Uh, and I would try to dissect 
these like, inflection points that they had. Like, well, there are a million and one chefs out there. I think there's something like 23,000 restaurants in New York City. So it's like, why is your restaurant, like, what are the things that allowed your restaurant and you to land at this point? And to try to deconstruct it and make a recipe out of it for people. Yeah. Talk about, I mean, a very charged atmosphere where I could be looked at absolutely as the enemy. I mean, geez, I mean, hunting and outdoors... Uh, outdoorsmen, uh, sports, and things like that would, would definitely be one. But uh, why? Well, I mean, because I'm, I live in San Francisco. I'm coming from a pretty liberal uh, location, number one, and have never hunted before. Had a very low opinion of hunting and hunters before yeah, well, getting what, into the book. What did it hurt your feelings when you killed something? Weirdly enough, no, it didn't. Because I and uh, I didn't, I didn't want to injure any animals my biggest fear was maiming an animal right and having it suffer but all of my shots to date have been straight through the heart i mean and it's just been yeah. a couple of seconds and it's all over i the reason i didn't feel badly about it and i thought that i would feel really badly yeah and i was very respectful i don't enjoy the act of killing animals but when i when i hunt and i know that i'm going to make use of every single piece of the animal that i can make use of i don't I don't have guilt associated with that because I feel like life and death is part of everything and it is a cycle whether we want it to be or not and that's just how it works. I mean, either we will all be ashes right. in the you ground. Were, you weren't doing it for sport. You were doing no. it and you don't find yourself wanting to go out and do it. It's not going to be a thing you do now or no, is it? No, I'm not. I mean, it's not something I, I think but about. But you know you can. I know I can. It was about reconnecting with ingredients that I would usually just buy wrapped in a package on a shelf. Right. And I wanted to feel more responsible for what I ate. So I also I also did foraging and all these other things, but obviously I mean the hunting's <laughs> oftentimes a more exciting story, but I did foraging and I did you know we, like we were talking about before we uh we we uh came out here like pickling and all that kind of stuff except for coffee roasting. <laughs> I don't have the roasting. I have the Which brewing. I have the brewing in there, All but right. I don't have the roasting. Well, here's the deal. I will, like these, the two books are Four Hour Body, Four Hour Chef. That's the one we we're talking about today. And so what I got to do is get some kettlebells. How many do I need? Just need one. It's just one thing? You can get two if you want. 35 pounder and a 50, 52, 53 pounder. Okay. I, yeah. I need to do that and I need to eat protein for 30 minutes. Yeah. That's, and uh, that's plenty to start with. And then I'm good. Yeah. And then in terms of the four hour chef, I ha I have to get into it just in terms of resources because I you know I do cook yeah. and it seems like everything's covered there. I really think it is. I mean, I worked with a lot of good chefs, and we took, for instance, we did an experiment where we tried to cram six months of culinary school into forty eight hours into mm -hmm. a weekend. Mm -hmm. And even if you retain. 40% of that or how, let's just say 50% of that you're still getting three months of culinary school on weekends well so. ultimately what I think what it comes down to is that most people will stay in the habits they're in yep. if they're effective enough for probably their whole life Yeah. so I, I think that any of this stuff just becomes relative to what you can use yeah oh yeah it's it's that's it's, the weird thing about it's all a buffet you pick what you right. want and you ignore the rest right well shit man I will let's go now and I'll find that stuff on uh, I'll find that shit on um, on the coffee roasting and you don't have a kettlebell you can give me, right? <laughs> I don't have one with me. All right. I, could, I can definitely find one for you, though. All right. Thanks, Tim. Thank you. That's it. I hope you dug it. I hope you got some info. I hope you're ready to take the challenge. Some of that stuff sounded crazy, but uh, I'm in for some of it. I need to get a kettlebell. Is that what they're called? Kettlebell? Anyways, 
Thank you for listening. Go to WTFPod.com for all your WTF pod needs. Get active. Comment on the comment board. Kick in a few shekels. Get the app. Upgrade to the premium app. Check the episode guide before you ask me for people to be on the show and maybe get that premium upgrade. You can go to iTunes and search uh, WTF Premium for certain episodes if you, if you need those. Soon we'll have a new Mark and Tom show. You can buy T-shirts. You can uh, what? You can check out the Lipson deal. Also, we just reissued the first 100 episodes on MP3 files on a two DVD set. Also available at WTFPod.com. And for God's sakes, for God's sakes, could you please, please check my tour schedule and come see me where you can? I'm talking to you, Cincinnati. I'm talking to you, Columbus. Hey, I found my buddy Guy Pick. I wonder if this guitar is in tune. Oops, shit, out. You know what? Maybe I should practice a little before I start doing that stuff. Boomer lives!